Your line of questioning isn't, it, it isn't uh, conducive to a good interview. Why is that? It just isn't. It's not going anywhere. You're asking me this, this, it's, it's, this is... What's wrong with that line of questioning? It's unfair. Right, listen. Mm. If, you, if you want to sort it out, find me. You didn't find me. You could have fought me and you didn't. If you want to find me, here I am. Let's have a fight. Let's do it on the cobbles if you want. Forget boxing. Let's do it outside. When I fought Hatton, I knocked Hatton out with 10 ounce gloves on. Stepping back when he was undefeated. In my prime, I spanked him. Yeah, How did he gonna be as equally talented as me? Are you serious? As easy as I beat him? I could have beat him while playing chuckles on the other side. That's how easy that was. <laughs> and he better than us? Are you serious, James Tony? They call me the problem, but you could call me the can man, because anybody can get Africans, Americans, Dominicans, Mexicans, anybody can get it. And welcome to Beyond Boxing. As you guys understand, we just want to offer a slightly different perspective on what's happening in the world of boxing without necessarily going into too much play by play. And I think the key thing is just, you know, almost like just sharing the some of the crazy and weird thoughts that pop into my head when I not only watch, but follow what goes on in the wonderful sport that we call boxing. So what I found fascinating is as I, as I sit here on a Wednesday recording and, you know, We've had one pay-per-view event, we have another to come, and I'm, I'm none the wiser about the heavyweight division, and we're almost drifting towards chaos, which isn't where we thought we would be at the tail end of 2020. You know, we, we thought we were heading towards an inevitable crunch where all the belts would come together and an orderly queue would form behind, much like we had in the Klitschko era. Instead, where we are, is it's all a bit of a free-for-all, for being honest, right? It is all a bit chaotic, and we don't know who's who, what's happening, apart from the two guys at the top. That's the only clarity we have. We've got two guys at the top, and then we've got a bit of a mess further down. And in the midst of all of this chaos, the one thing that put a smile on my face was the return of Don King. And I couldn't believe it when I heard Don King had found a way to weasel his way back into big time boxing we shouldn't say weasel disrespectfully but craftily insert himself back into the heavyweight picture now i probably had enough time to digest this and reflect on it and it feels like the perfect don king sting that's what i'm going to call it it's like a a wily old veteran saw a situation saw an opportunity and went for it so let's just set the scene Dave Allen is meant to fight Christian Hammer on the Chisoro Usyk undercard. Good fight. Benchmark fight. And we'll find out what Dave Allen's really got because I think Christian Hammer's the sort of guy I'd put at British title level, maybe just a little bit above. And so it would have been a chance for Dave to benchmark himself and say, okay, I've got headroom or I don't have headroom. So Christian Hammer then becomes unavailable. And he tests positive for COVID. So Dave Allen no longer has an, op an opponent. Out of nowhere, not even on the list of probables or possibles on anybody's list, comes Chris Lovejoy. And he's mysteriously got a WBA number 15 ranking 
despite being like I think he's at four hundred fiftieth on box rec. Four hundred and fiftieth on box rec, which I think puts him below almost every heavyweight in the country except maybe Michael Sprott and Danny Williams. And that should say it all, really. And so, does Chris Lovejoy appears out of nowhere, suddenly gets the fight, gets flown over. It all happens really quickly and we can't find any footage of Chris Lovejoy fighting. In fact, we can't find any footage of Chris Lovejoy doing anything apart from an interview where he says he gave Tyson Fury a hard time inspiring. Great, whatever. So he shows up to the UK and he's every bit as entertaining, in fact, maybe more entertaining than Dave Allen and he's He's, you know, he's on social media all the time. And, it, and if you're halfway clued up, you're thinking, when is this guy training? Where's the footage of him training? And he just seems to be having a good time. Like he's there for a jolly and people saw him in and around the Wembley area. He was doing his thing and he was claiming to be 350 pounds, although he looked closer to about 255, 260, if I'm being honest with you. So all of this stuff is happening and you're wondering, this guy doesn't look ready to fight. Like, just anyone that's been around the sport long enough, you just get a sense of whether someone is ready to fight or whether they expect to fight. So we're going through all of this, and you get to Wednesday, and you're like, Jesus, this guy doesn't look like he's taking this seriously. And then we hear Don King's involved. Don King doesn't want the fight to happen. Don's got this contractual relationship with Christopher Lovejoy. And from what I heard, Don sent the paperwork over through his lawyers. And they said, look, we've got a contract with a guy. You can't use him. And so Eddie comes on the media and says, we're still trying to deal with Don King. We've made him a fantastic offer. You can take the money and we'll get your guy Trevor Bryan to fight as well. This, that and the third, yada, 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 yada. Don's like, nah, nah, thanks, but no thanks. We will do none of that. Like, no real negotiation. Don was like, nope, Christopher Lovejoy will not be fighting. He'll be coming back to the United States and I'll take care of him. And if you're a boxing fan, you just go, that's unfortunate. That's what you say. Oh, God, that's unlucky. Oh, man. No, I was looking forward to that fight. Both guys like, like a bit of a laugh and a joke. Yeah. Oh, bloody hell. What am I going to do? <sighs> and then you take a step back and you go, how clever is Don King? Don King sees chaos and he sees a chance to do a number of things. Number one, gather on the ground intelligence on how Eddie Hearn operates. Number two, get access to an Eddie Hearn contract. Not to say that he couldn't get it from other sources, but get access to, it, to an Eddie Hearn contract, right? He understands the machinations of how Sky works. He's, he's, he's understanding everything about, to him, this new kid on the block, because he probably knows the dad and he knows Frank, but he doesn't really know Eddie that well. And so why would you do this if you're Don King? And the answer is very simple. Don King, and I'm going to say this with confidence about two, but less confidence about one. But he has three guys with a legitimate claim to that WBA crown within the next 18 months to two years. And... In order of significance, Fraser Kendo, although I need to verify this, but I think he's still got a promotional interest in Fraser Kendo, who through the court case following the, the whole Chagayev thing, 
has a contractually mandated right to fight the world champion at any time of his choosing. Like, it's the equivalent of the money in the bank briefcase that they have in the WWE. And like, just for context, Fraser Kendo is 47 years old and he sits on this lottery ticket for as long as he wants or until someone buys him out. So he, he you know, Don King loves this. That's a good position for him. He also has Trevor Bryan. <laughs> yeah, that Trevor Bryan. The Trevor Bryan you saw get battered by Shannon Briggs on numerous social media clips. Uh, and Trevor Bryan, was he, number one with the WBA? And we don't even know how good he is. His best record is, his best win is actually BJ Flores. And that says it all. That's a guy that Tony Bell, you ran over, reversed and ran over again. And that's his best win. He's 20 and 0. This is a guy who never beat Cam F. Awesome in the amateurs. And Cam F. Awesome is not designed for the pros. And I think he accepts that himself. Trevor Bryan is not a guy who should be number one. And so in the WBA maze of belts, I think if I'm correct, Josh is a super champion. And Manuel Charles a regular. I think Hellenius has some kind of belt. It might be gold or silver, right? So that's an absolute mess. But Don King knows he's got three guys in that mix that over time will eventually become mandatory. And that's when the payoff happens. So it's no coincidence that if you look at Trevor Bryan's record and if you look at Christopher Lovejoy's record, roughly similar number of fights a lot of those fights seem to be happening in non-US locations like the Dominican Republic and Mexico. And that's Don playing the system. Don understands that the win is more important than the opponent a lot of times. And that's how you get yourself up. And I'm sure Don used years of relationships with these governing bodies, deeper relationships than, than Eddie will have. Because don't forget, the reason we have this alphabet soup, the reason we talk about unifications and being undisputed and all of this is because of Don King. Don's the man who made these governing bodies super important. He made these governing bodies millions. And so they will always owe him because there's always that debt of gratitude. So Don's now sat here saying, out of my three horses, I'm going to hand control of two of them to Eddie Hearn, a guy that I have no relationship with, a guy who's going to do what's best for him and not best for me. I'm not giving him any one of these because if Lovejoy loses to Dave Allen, Eddie's now got the number 15 ranking. If Trevor Bryan loses against a Hearn fighter, that's the number one ranking. Eddie now controls the WBA. As things stand, Don's a, a powerful voice in that WBA scenario regarding Joshua. And so he then says, well, I'm going to send my guy over there, but he's definitely not going to fight because I need all these rankings to keep me relevant. So I don't believe for one second Lovejoy was ever going to fight Dave Allen. I don't even think he had packed anything to fight with. I reckon if you checked his luggage, there were probably no boots, no shorts, and nothing. Lovejoy was never going to fight Dave Allen. Don King was never going to allow that to happen. And I wouldn't be surprised if Don King knew about it from the start. And if it wasn't Don who said, talk to Eddie about fighting. Just go over to London you're going to get flown business class, you get treated like a king, you have a good time, and then we'll take care of you when you get back here and mission's accomplished. Because when it comes to the money division, which the heavyweight is slowly becoming again, 
this is the only way we'll ever see Don King live and in action and able to, to do all of these things. And it's a testament, actually, to how smart Don is because he saw the full chessboard and he understood there's no advantage in his guy fighting on someone else's show in another country where he doesn't control any of the variables. And Lovejoy is not the sort of fighter who you'd guarantee would come back with the win. And that's no disrespect to him. It's just a reflection on how he's come up in the sport. He came relatively late. He's made a lot of noise. And he literally just wants to get paid and get out. And that payday will come against someone like a Luis Ortiz or someone like, a, like an Anthony Joshua, whoever is sitting at the top of that tree. And so it reflects a lot of the, the shenanigans that happen beneath the world title level where you position your guys to be called as that mandatory or position your guys to be called as what should be seen as a soft voluntary, but then you throw the curveball and it turns out your guys are a lot better than people thought. So then we get to a position where Dave Allen doesn't have an opponent. Mr. Lovejoy pulls out. And so you go to your plan B. What is your plan B? And generally what happens in these situations, and I imagine this is happening now for the Dillian White fight, is you go down the list and you go, who's, who's suitable, who's fit, who's available? You know, in terms of who can you get into the country in time without any quarantine restrictions? You know, can you get tested? Are you COVID? All, all of these things are now, you know, they're probably happening for Dillian and these are happening with Dave. So one of the things they did is they approached a friend of mine, Big Joe, and they offered him the fight. I think it was on three days' notice. So this is when it becomes obvious that, you know, Don King's playing hardball. So they get Big Joe mobilized, and Big Joe's like, yeah, I'll take the fight. Doesn't care about the three days' notice. He backs himself because he understands that Dave struggles with people who can jab. So I don't need to reveal much about Joe's game plan or anything, but when you're six foot six with pretty long arms, you can jab. So he's up for the fight because it's a good payday for him. You get on Sky Sports, people finally know who you are, and it does so much for his career, right? And Joe, Joe's an interesting guy. He's an entertaining guy. He's, he's a guy I just genuinely like as a person. And so he's ready for this fight. And Team Allen then say, nah, we're not taking that. Which is strange because I don't think Joe offers anything Dave hasn't seen before, but his corner were clearly worried because they'd prepared for someone who hadn't trained allegedly. And all of a sudden you've got big Joe who has trained, who is in shape, who is pretty big. I think big Joe is probably about 16, eight, six, between 16, eight and 16, 10 at the moment. He's looking in good shape. So, you know, having seen him yesterday, yeah, he's in fantastic shape and he's, look, everyone's ready at this point. Eddie, Eddie put the call out. He said, everyone who wants a shot, be ready, be in shape, be good to go. And he was. And Team Allen said no. Now, why would they do that? So number one, there's no WBA ranking on the line, so the incentive goes down. Number two, it's not a fight Dave's guaranteed to win. And so when Dave's not guaranteed to win, the purses go down after the defeat. And Dave knows that. And, you know, Dave, quite rightly, is in the business of David Allen. That's his business, David Allen. Maximize my revenue in the year. And I know people now say, well, you know, he's, he's made no money from this. And that's true. He's made no money. But what he has done 
is he stopped his earning potential dropping. So maybe you can insert him into the Dillian White pay-per-view. Now, you know, he might need a dance partner, but you can put Dave in there. Dave's in shape and ready to go. So he can preserve his value that way. So there are all these thoughts that happen. I'm sure MTK don't want their emerging cash cows to be diminished in any way. So there are all of these complex decisions that go into why you may say yes or no to a fight. And so you end up with a pay-per-view show where all of this has happened in the background, right? And then on fight night, you get what you get as a main event. And I think we all agree that it didn't have the energy it needed from having a pretty solid co-main event. I think the Dave Allen-Christopher Lovejoy fight would have added something to it. Or just Dave Allen against someone else would have added to it ahead of that main event, which was, if we're being honest, a non-event. I don't think Usyk really hurt Chisora. And I don't think he really set out to. And I don't think Derek was able to really hurt Usyk. I think both of those guys could fight again today. Because that that looked more like a, one of those savage sparring sessions. So like if you've ever seen the, the Chisora Brian Jennings sparring, I think that probably happens at a higher intensity. The only difference is you've got head guards and gloves on. But in terms of what it takes out of you, that probably took more out of Chisora than fighting Usyk did. And, you know, now they're talking about dull boy fighting Dillian White. And that goes to show that we're at a point now where below the top three, and I'm still going to put Wilder in that top three, below the top three, it's all pretty much much of a muchness. And I'd put Usyk in that category. Usyk's not a standout heavyweight based on the performances we've seen so far. That doesn't mean he's not good. He is good. And you've got to give him credit for, for stepping up and not sacrificing the weight. But he's not Holyfield. He, he will never do a heavyweight what Holyfield did, where Holyfield obliterated a lot of seasoned and serious heavyweights. And that's what we want as fans. I'm, I'll never be a fan of, of that whole 12-round winner decision type heavyweight. I like guys where it's, you know, it's, it's do or die. You know, that, that's what I enjoy. That's what entertains me. It's the, the stoppages. You know, one man stands, one man falls. And that's why we pay extra for the heavyweights. And I don't think Usu can deliver that. Now, if he was to deliver that, like David Hay did, then pff, the world's definitely his oyster. And I've kind of laughed at the at the furore around the Usyk versus Chisora fight scorecards and so forth. And, you know, I know my good friend Porky's gone absolutely crazy about how people have backtracked and done this and done that. All I'll say about that fight is the right person won and... I am confident Usyk could have gone through the gears if he had to, but I think he was just comfortable. And I think he was more disappointed that Derek couldn't bring more to the table. And so he just said, let me get through this fight without taking any risks. But that's not what we want to see in a heavyweight. I genuinely think if Usyk wanted to break down Chisora, he would have done it. Why he didn't, no idea. But he was definitely boxing within himself. And so we leave what I call an underwhelming pay-per-view card. It was massively underwhelming. So kudos to the people who paid the £20. I wasn't going to. And then we were going to move into, you know, another London versus Eastern Europe clash, Dillian White and Povetkin. But now Povetkin has tested positive for COVID. That seems to put that, you know, to rest. And that's unfortunate. And then all we had to endure, unfortunately, was, was all of this. 
I just had David on the phone. Del Boy will do it. He's You're right, no, eleven dollars. Huh? I tell you what, I'm in your favorite place. Which one? You know where I am. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Do you want to give me that fight? November twenty-first. Two and a half weeks. I'll take that. That's the money maker. You want to give it to me? I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit. I'm a bit confused. I'm like I didn't really think about it to be honest with you. And then David called me. Said, Dell said he's fit. His hands are fine. He was in the gym yesterday. No handsome. bruises. Ready to rock and roll. He's not handsome. It's, it's the trilogy. You know what, Dell? It'll be the fastest pay-per-view turnaround in history. That's where we're at, guys. Where we're going to have White Chisora 3, potentially, as a pay-per-view event in 2020. Just when you think the year just can't, it can't give you anymore. You're all going to have to survive lockdown knowing that this is coming. And we're going to relive the, the goat and the donkey and the washed-upness. And I knocked you out. And Chisora simulating head. We're going to have to go through all of this for £20. And I'm going to do a pod on this at some point about the machinations behind the scenes around broadcast deals and broadcast partners, because that's getting really interesting at the moment, because there's some interesting tactics that are emerging. But what we can now see is Hearn doesn't have the pull that we think he does, because a lot of these fights are pretty underwhelming when you consider what you're getting over in the United States where you've got Tank Davis against Leo Santa Cruz, and people say, ah, Tank Davis is a weight bully. I don't think so. I think they're guys who have both come up from the 120s into the 130s. So I think that's a reasonable fight to have. You had Jaime Munguia against Turiniano Johnson, never be able to say his name. And so in America, they're just making fights because everyone's happy with their broadcast partners and the money's good. So you can just make the fights happen. We've seen Teofimo versus Loma. In the UK, we haven't seen many seismic events. You know, I've been more excited about watching Ellie Scottney. That's been my highlight of the whole matchroom post-lockdown thing was watching the debut of Ellie Scottney and the fact that we finally have a female boxer who said, I've come to take heads off. That puts a massive smile on my face. But let's come back to these heavyweights. So... The, the Dillian versus Derek fight, were it to happen, and it feels like that's where we're headed because it's an in-house fight, it's quick, it's easy. You don't really have to sell this because fans want to see this, whether it's a £20 pay-per-view. Hmm. But fans want to see this. But it leaves us no closer to that answer of what's the heavyweight ranking. You know, if Dillian knocks out Derek again, it doesn't really tell us anything. And should that be for the WBC mandatory? I don't think it should be. I don't. I, I can see a scenario now. Just don't quote me on this, but I can see a scenario now where the WBC say Deontay must fight Dillian to secure that number one spot. Whoever wins that fight ends up boxing Tyson Fury. I can see that being the way that everyone resolves this because Al doesn't want a lawsuit. Bob doesn't want a lawsuit. Deontay shouldn't be fighting Tyson Fury again. And after that video, he definitely doesn't want any part of Tyson 
before he's got a couple of wins under his belt. And I think Dillian is set up for him style-wise to, to hit that right hand. So let that happen. I can see that process happening because without Povetkin, that fight loses its kudos. But then it leaves us, like I said, in this weird limbo of, you know, you got Joshua, you got Fury. Who's third in line? Right now it feels like Wilder, but it could be Dillian. It could be Usyk. But we need to get to that kind of orthodoxy before the young guys like the Yokers start coming through. But we're now also then looking at Fury. And I th let's pause, actually. Pause for a second. Why isn't anyone talking about Huey Fury? We've seen Derek and Dillian. We've seen that multiple times. Why are we not talking about Dillian versus Huey Fury? Because you can't question Huey's, you know, you can't question his credentials in terms of fights he's taken on at a really early stage in his career, number one. Number two, he's always fit and ready to go. Number three, his skill set means he doesn't need a camp for someone like Dillian. Now, I'm not close enough to Peter to know Peter's views on this, but I'd be surprised if people aren't pushing for Huey Fury to take the fight. And I don't want to hear this, his style's boring. Dillian will come to him. And I think actually that might make for a good meshing of styles because both guys have a really good jab. You know, don't underestimate that. Huey's a better mover. Dillian might carry more power. Dillian's definitely the bigger man. But Huey's got the reach and he's got the accuracy. So can one style dominate the other? But it also creates this really interesting subplot that if the WBC did rubber stamp this as being for the mandatory, would Tyson and Huey have to fight each other? And if they did, wow. Now that, that would take boxing into a new direction. Because that's the sort of shot in the unboxing needs. It needs, it, and I know he's not really a new name, but it needs a different name in that discussion. You know, it does. And I'd, I'd look forward to that, but you know, I don't know what the, the rules and regulations in the Fury family are in regards cousins fighting each other. So I'm not going to dwell too much on that, but I'd quite like to see Dillian versus Huey being discussed as much as Derek versus Dillian. I think they're both compelling fights and, that's that's where the fans have to be pushing, I think, in my opinion, for for I don't want to say entertaining because you know they're charging us twenty quid, <laughs> and I don't know how I feel about having to pay twenty quid. That's a regular Saturday fight night fight, and someone's going to have to absorb the cost of getting those guys involved, and I don't know who that is, but that's what I'll do because Huey's getting ready for that date anyway. So why not just go? Okay, you're fighting Dillian. I don't think it bothers Huey at all. He's that sort of guy. But that, that, that's what I'd like to see. And it would mean, strangely enough, that Huey's compiling a better CV than Tyson. If you look at depth, like in terms of opponents faced, not even on a year-by-year -year basis, in absolute terms, I genuinely think Huey's body of work is improving faster than Tyson's. Like, who the hell's Caballel? Like, I'm still going to say, who the hell is Caballel? And how is Caballel fighting at this level? It's, it's a sad state of affairs in terms of where boxing is that Tyson's done this. And here's one I want to stand up for Joshua. Joshua is held to a far higher standard CV-wise than Tyson Fury is. Joshua could never fight Caballel. I like, couldn't. 
I think Pulev's better than Kabayel, and we're giving him stick for fighting Pulev. And Fury gets a pass with Kabayel. Now, does that mean that Fury's not as good as Joshua? No. But it does mean we should be demanding more of Tyson Fury. Fury should be jumping in with an Ortiz. I wouldn't even mind seeing Fury in with a Brazil. Man, just people who can who can kind of overcome the size disadvantage. I don't think Cabayel will. Southpaw or not, he's not going to overcome a six-inch height difference. And, you know, we'll also see if, if that Fury power is real. But the second question I have is this. If Fury fights at the Royal Albert Hall, what license is he going to hold? I don't think Tyson Fury holds a boxing license at the moment. He definitely doesn't hold a British board license. So what license will Tyson Fury hold for the Caballel fight? That's the question I have. Would he hold a UK one which would subject him to UCAD testing, which didn't go too well for him last time? Or will he be able to grab an Irish one, which I think he's done before? Or will he just use a, a Nevada, Nevada approved boxing license? I have no idea. But all of that kind of just leaves us underwhelmed. But I want to come on to what doesn't leave us underwhelmed is Dubois versus Joyce. Of all of this morass of mediocrity, at least we're seeing two damn good fighters go at it. Size, they both have. Strength, they both have. Stamina, they both have. Amateur experience, Jesus, do they both have it. Determination to succeed, they both have it. Terrible in front of a microphone, they both have it. All of that, and I'm just saying that as a joke, by the way, so no one get offended, please. But my point is, that's a legit fight. Because that fight tells us something. It moves one person in one direction and one person in another direction. And it's Frank doing it. Not Eddie. It's Frank doing it again. You know, putting his guys up against each other when it matters. And Eddie's going to be under pressure because if you've got... Dubois Joyce, that's meant to follow Dillian versus Povetkin originally. You need something that's going to match that. Or you just write that show off and just have it as a Conor Ben main event and just call it Next Gen or whatever you want to call it. But I think in the 20-something minutes I've been talking, I think you should now realize that they've managed to create more confusion in the heavyweight division at a time when we thought we'd get more certainty. And I hope you also understand that's how boxing makes its money. As long as we keep arguing about who should be where in the queue, boxing remains relevant, remains interesting. The minute they give you a definitive list, you'll lose interest. So I know we complain about it a lot. I know, you know Porky will jump down my throat from what I'm about to say. Sometimes the promoters are screwing us over for our own good. Yeah, I know I said that. Never thought I'd say that. But I think that's probably a good point to close off. So as always... You know, if you enjoy the content, if you find it interesting, share it. You know, you know, tell a friend to tell a friend, as the Americans like to say. More importantly, you know, just let me know. Engage in the discussion. So, you know, I know a lot of you guys DM me and stuff, and it's always appreciated. You know, guys like Skelts, Danny Watley, and so forth, um, Ellis as well. It's really appreciated. And if anyone wants to know anything, you know, the the deep meanings behind stuff, just let me know, and we can just keep it moving. I think just for my world, boxing-wise, until the amateur scene comes back, not much interest for me. And I've seen the lockdown regulations where they say elite sport can continue. So my question then becomes, 
A, what's an elite athlete? So I know pro boxers are allowed to keep training, but surely elite level amateurs should be allowed to train. And what counts as an elite? In amateur terms, you're an elite if you've boxed more than 20 times. So if that's the case, then it'll be interesting to see which gyms open and allow their guys to keep training and who do, who doesn't open. And then, you know, elite athletes, does that also mean elite coaches? Don't know. But we're all trying to work out what's going on here. It's an absolute mess. I'm sure we all agree on that. And sports suffers for it. And at a time when we probably need something to bring us together, you know, the one thing that's guaranteed to do that across all cultural, racial, gender backgrounds of sport, and at a time when we really need that, they're depriving us of that. They say it's for our own good, but you've got to question that. You may not, you know, may not agree with that view, but you've got to question these things. And on that note, I'll sign off and say thank you guys. As always, like, share, comment, talk, whatever you want to do, but let's just keep the movement going.